Welcome back to another episode of Sustainlytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that has hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Sabrina, who work in sales and business development across the Asia Pacific. Hi, Nick. Welcome back to this month's episode. So what are some of the headline numbers and events that happened in the past month? Thanks, Sabrina, and good to hear your voice on our podcast again. I think the second one you're recording, so very good to have you back. Yeah. Back by popular man, we should say. But look, over the month, I guess there's been quite a bit of news and things happening around the August period. One thing that I really liked and I do find beneficial, I read everything that the Climate Bond Initiative organization or CBI put out, and I would encourage all our listeners to check out their reports. They're really high quality. There's lots of different topics. They're always topical and they're always interesting and refer to different markets. So the CBI came out with their sort of half yearly 2022 reports. I would encourage everyone to check that out. Without labouring every single point in that report, just a few things to mention. Look, volumes were down about 20 plus percent, 25, 27 percent versus H1 2021. But I think, as we know, these markets don't exist exclusive of what's happening in the broader sort of much more mainstream market. So it's just a reflection of that rather than anything hugely damaging to sustainable green, social link, link bonds. If we look at the composition of the market, it's pretty much the same as in previous years. But a couple of things to note, and I've said some of these points before, but I think it's the easiest way to understand the market. Green bonds continue to anchor the market. SLBs, fastest growing part of the market. Social and sustainability have stabilised since COVID, but certainly not back at the levels that they were pre-COVID. And that's sort of the major dynamics If you look at the SLLs, um, I haven't seen any half-yearly performance for those, but last year was $400 and there's still a lot of activity in that. So once you add in the the SLLs on the loan side, it would be interesting to re-crunch those numbers versus last year as well. But there's some of the broader kind of highlights. In terms of specific geographies, China, Germany, um, Supernaturals or the development banks, um, US, um, Netherlands, France continue to be the major issuance locations in terms of, um, or at least in terms of countries, sovereigns continue to flock to the market, corporates are still pretty you know, pretty steady, banks in and out of the market, depending on their funding needs. The other thing that we haven't seen as much is really that transition labelled space. And we're expecting, we've sort of spoke about that on recent podcasts, for that label to really come back with a vengeance or really be established with a vengeance at some stage given that there's more critical mass now on CapEx and a bit more clarity and transition, but still the link side of things and the other traditional products will probably still dominate that space. So it's been a tough year for the bond markets. Let's see how things continue to grow. Plenty of action in the loan market and fundamentally the shift to integrate more sustainability into capital raisings, loans, bonds, and everything in between will continue to intensify, but occasionally get influenced by what's happening in broader markets. So that's a bit of an update there. If we look at some of the other things that are happening, I really liked what I saw in the US, the the IRA, 
for the Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, it's a pretty significant thing. Normally, I don't read too much into what's happening in the US in terms of regulations, but this time, I think it really sets the tone. And the SEC has been coming out with different proposals for you know, scope one, two, and three reporting on the climate side, better disclosures. But the significance of the spend that's going to happen behind this Inflation Reduction Act, very politically, tactfully put together in terms of getting bipartisan support for it. But really what underlines it is a massive, biggest infrastructure spend on renewables and things like that in the last 30 years. It's a bit of a strange name, but the details behind it, I think, are enormous. So even those parts of the market are a bit flat, things and stimulus like this, various governments, I think are very, very significant in terms of paving the way towards more rapid acceleration towards net zero. So I was really glad to see that. A mixture of articles, Sabrina, on the the nuclear side keeps popping up with a few bonds in Canada and such parts. So that seems to be ongoing uh, topical. There was also a few articles about ESG getting more heavily coded into remuneration or linked to remuneration and Sustainalytics is doing a little bit more work in that area, providing opinions and those sorts of um, sorts of things. So we'll see if any of that ESG linking to remuneration gets mandated in any markets like things such as TCFD. Watch this space. Social taxonomies. I saw a couple of articles about that, even for Asia. We know we've got a few green taxonomies around the place and they're breeding pretty quickly at the moment. Um, so hopefully the social taxonomy in Europe accelerates a bit so we have a at least some form of reference that's pretty well defined and others to come. I did know uh, an interesting point also from Europe, the leveraged loan market integrating sustainability and more SLLs in, in that market and there was an article um, on environmental finance about where how strong some of the targets are in those spaces. But what I take away from that is good to see the proliferation still of different types of loans and structures coming to market and integrating sustainability in some of those deals, obviously, are pretty complicated as well. Um, recently, China's come out with a um, green bond standard, again, very similar to much more on the, the international standard side of things. So that's good to see China having you know a multitude of standards, if you like, but then also having that which should govern quite a few transactions going forward. Some articles about the diversifying nature of green bonds and social sustainability across Asia, good to see. Articles about housing and how affordable housing and that social theme will will feature uh, going forward. There was also the usual articles about greenwashing, but I think we've we've talked about those previously. One of the interesting articles I did see was about sleeper SLLs, which is really documenting an SLL but not labelling it as an SLL until the KPIs and SPTs or the targets are fleshed out and worked out. So I guess, look, if that helps support more sustainability get integrated to these um, loans, I think that's not such a bad thing, but obviously it can't happen right at the end of a loan and nothing should be labelled as a sustainability link loan unless it actually is with targets and all of those things. So pretty interesting um, development there. I also saw a couple of other articles about Islamic um, financing through Malaysia, and then back to the point I mentioned before, much more about the S creeping into to more transactions, as well as biodiversity. There's been some interesting articles about that and more transactions that creeping into to the link side of things as well. So pretty mixed bag, actually, this month, Sabrina. So never a dull moment. Now back to you. What about the SLBs? Have there been 
bit of action on the linked bond side or it's been a little bit flat? Thanks, Nick, for the quick summary on the recent development on the sustainable finance market. So on the SLB side, I also wanted to highlight a few transactions that happened in the month of August. So let's start from APAC. Singapore-based energy and urban development company Samcorp has issued a 17 million euro shoot shine with KPI on scope one and two emission reduction targets. Next, let's quickly jump to Europe. French multinational corporation Saint-Gobain debuted a 1.5 billion euro sustainability-linked bond with three tranches. So in this transaction, they have highlighted four KPIs. KPI 1 and KPI 2 is on um, the environmental side. They have set targets on absolute scope 1, 2, and 3 greenhouse gas emission reduction. This greenhouse gas emission reduction target are in line with the Paris agreement and well below the 2 degrees Celsius warming scenario according to SBTI. And KPI 3 targets to reduce 80% of the company's non-recovered production waste by 2030. While KPI 4 is a social KPI related to the health and safety issues of the company, this KPI is on the total recordable accident rate covering the entire group's employees. Then we have M Plus Group, the first company in Croatia issuing sustainability-linked bond. And this group has undertaken to reduce its carbon emission by 25% and increase women's representation in management teams to 51% as their KPIs for this transaction. So moving on to the Americas, Eaton, a power management company, has had their debut SLB of 1.3 billion US dollars. So Eaton has actually announced its commitment to SBTI in 2020, and their KPI for this particular issuance is to achieve at least 40% absolute scope 1 and 2 greenhouse gas emission reduction by the end of 2027 and 50% reduction by 2030. So um, finally, on the SLB side for this month, Barlow World, an industrial processing distribution and services company based in South Africa, has issued a gender-linked bond. So Barlow World has set two KPIs. The first KPI is on reaching at least 50% female representation in its leadership by 2025. And the second KPI is on boosting discretionary procurement spend on black women suppliers to reach at least 15% of its total procurement spend. So this gender-linked issuance is reported to be the first such bond in the continent and signifies the acknowledgement of investor demand for more socially aligned transactions in the region. So in, in conclusion, in the month of August, not overly excited on the SLB side, but we still do see some landmark and significant deals coming into the market. And hopefully we can see more diversified industries participating in this market in the new future. So, Nick, what about on the SLL side this month? Any deals that are worth mentioning and highlighting? Yes, yeah, certainly a few. And it's interesting the dynamics at the moment we're seeing reflective of the bond market is flat in many, many places, but there's certainly a lot of activity on the on the loan side. I'm glad you got a tricky word to say there as well, Sabrina. Shoulder shine. 
I don't think I'll ever be able to say that properly. <laughs> very good, uh, very good German. But look, on the on the line side, I'll just talk broad brush strokes on a couple of different sort of sectors we've seen. Uh, in Indonesia, BNI, there was an article, Bank um, National uh, Nagara Indonesia, providing um, an agri SLL. Um, I think that supported a company called Jatfar with a bond or some other banks had um, some time back and possibly they've replicated that structure. But the more important thing is agri. We need, need definitely more participation from agri companies in sustainable finance. So that's good to see. In the next one, CHG Meridian, a 200 million euro sustainability link loan, and that's an IT services company. And I believe there's um, the link loan is tied to a, um, an ESG rating. So again, that's good to see IT companies and those sorts of, of entities rapidly participating in this space. Tassel, a company from Australia, where I'm from in um, Tasmania, I believe, if I'm not wrong, on the, um, again, agri-related fishing, seafood side. So good to see more of these companies participating in the market uh, with a mixture of, of KPI. So do check that one out, which we worked on pretty closely as well. Some other ones to mention, we also saw um, Carlisle Group participating in some SLLs over in the US for some of their private credit loans, which is a, an interesting trend we've really noticed this year on the private equity side, much more different types of participants, whether that's at investee level or HOCO or, or otherwise. Primesmian, oh my goodness gracious, I don't know if I've said that right at all, but Primesmian also did a significantly larger Euro um, transaction and that's in the telco space um, on the SLLs. We haven't got full information about a lot of these, but the telco transactions we've seen before generally focusing on scope one and two and in many cases um, scope three as well. A little bit of action on the shipping side from uh, Wellamson Group, an $800 million SLL on that side and presumably again, I believe that was focused around the Poseidon principles and the different um, measures of, of carbon intensity per nautical um, miles travelled on um, on those. A couple of others to mention. We also saw HICL um, Company, which is an infrastructure investment group over in London, looking at scope one, two and three. I think there was a donation um, element if they did have to pay a higher coupon there and some OHS um, metrics there. Actually, take that point back about on the coupon, The one of the KPIs, I believe, is increasing the percentage of portfolio companies making voluntary charitable uh, contributions and, and community engagement. So um, we'll let our listeners dig into that one a bit more. And as I mentioned, OHS. The last one to, to mention, Zegna, 190 million euro SLR luxury goods. Emilio Zegna, I'm sure you can say that better than me, Sabrina. And if that's Italian, my Italian relatives will be turning in their graves with my poor pronunciation. But look, we've seen a few different companies in the link space, um, Burberry and, and a few others come to mind, and then even H&M, I guess, as part of that arena as well. We know that, you know, if you look at fashion, it's probably 2% global contribution to GHGs, which is around the same as shipping. So it often doesn't get talked about in that light. So considerable spend on materials, logistics, waste, um, and all of those. And that one was focused around raw materials being traced to reduce some risk there, 100% renewable um, sources in operations by 2024 and those type of things. So, you know, again, really good to see some more diversity of transactions. And some of these sectors we really don't think about as much, but when you add them up, it's like telcos as well. You know, they're 2 3% of global GHG emissions. It's really important that transactions are happening and sustainability is being 
integrated into financings for those sectors as well. So yeah, a bit of action for sure over recent times. Yeah, thanks, Nick, for the quick summary. So let's move on to our next segment of the podcast. We will answer questions from our listeners. So reminder to our listeners, please feel free to write to us and send us your questions to podcast at sustainalytics.com for any sustainable finance related questions. So Nick, the first question we have is related to SLLs. So our listeners would like to know if SLLs can be structured as a program. Yeah, it's a really good question. And we're starting to speak and, and see different market participants launch various programs. I guess what we've seen to date and indeed what Sustainalytics has worked on with a number of market participants and banks and quite a few of these are in the public domain is what we call sort of eligibility guides which help a bank determine the eligibility criteria for things like green deposits, green loans, when the bank is launching more a program or product type level. What we're starting to see now is some interest in, in banks saying, well, for generally a specific sector, doesn't have to be, but probably a specific sector, what type of KPIs could we use and how does that map to a more general view or benchmark view about ambition? So, you know, very hard to sign those off on every single deal sometimes, but to have some KPIs that are very material and very applicable for a certain sector and then map that to some sort of general levels of ambition. I think we're going to start to see more interest in, in these programs as we've seen use of proceeds, you know, bonds, use of proceeds, loans, use of proceeds, load and programs, use of proceeds, deposit programs. We'll probably see that reflected in different types of linked link structures. So what I'd say to thank you for uh, listening to the questions and, and come and talk to us about the different ways to do that, whether it's using ESG risk ratings, whether it's using KPIs, whether it's rating suppliers, um, whether it's rating direct buyers, there's a, there's a few different ways and whether it's trade or non-trade. So hopefully that's a little bit of a teaser in terms of, of that part of the market. But I think we will see what we've seen on the use of proceeds side replicated on the link side, but a little bit difficult because how you scale linked, not everyone starts in the same place. Not everyone's in the same industry. So probably a lot more thought slicing and dicing how those look. Um, I think we'll see um, a bit more on that going forward. Yeah, thanks, Nick. So please do feel free to reach out to us if you guys have any questions related to SL programs, how to structure them. We will happy to answer questions from this end. So the second question is more on the product side of sustainable finance. So we have seen a growing number of social bonds in the market, and we actually see some social impact bond as well. So what is actually the difference between a social bond and a social impact bond? Yeah, thanks. Uh, again, thanks our listeners for, for shooting in the questions and keep those coming. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit tricky, but I'll try and break it down without getting into too much technical mumbo jumbo or you know, difficult acronyms or words, but essentially so social bonds can be done under loan format or bond format, and that's really the use of proceeds concept. So you raise money, you allocate it or you spend it on expenditures and assets, whether it's social programs like affordable housing, like finance, those types of things, that use of proceeds concept, which the market is largely based upon at this point in time. Social impact bonds are a slightly different construct and they've been around for a little while or they're called uh, SIBs and the first one was launched uh, from the UK oh, probably five or so years ago, maybe even longer. Um, I think it was Big Impact Capital, I'm probably getting that name wrong, uh, but it was launched in the UK and it was really around what we call recidivism or the rate at which 
prisoners and folks that had been in jail were either staying in the community or going back to, to jail uh, and to prison. So essentially what a social impact bond is where an entity has raised a bond, they're generally working for the government, the government has outsourced something, so you're a third party. You're raising money then to run a program generally for the government and if you meet certain criteria or, or KPIs, the government gives you a bit of a bonus and then the investors get paid who invested in that instrument, they get paid a bit of a kicker. So the, the difference in that is that the money raised by a social impact bond or an SIB is generally by a party working on a contract to deliver it for the government and if they succeed in delivering something at a really effective rate, they get a kicker and the investors get a bit of a kicker uh, onto that. So the core concept on that is called uh, pay for success. We've seen a few of those in the market, but with all the parties about who measures impact and then you've got the government outsourcing to someone else and then you've got the investors and and under those structures and investors, I think you can lose some money. They're a bit more philanthropic in nature or not get much money back depending on the performance of that third party who's delivering a contract or a service generally for a government when the government says, hmm, I think we can outsource this. So a little bit tricky on the structure, but the difference is social bonds, use of proceeds allocated to those things I mentioned before, social impact bond, the money can really be used for anything to set up and to run a program and then pay for success. Generally, a government or another third party, other entity will give the contracting entity, the person delivering the service, a bit of a kicker in payment. And that goes back to the investors if they achieve what's there. But I don't know if we're going to see too many more of those because they're really quite difficult to structure and possibly what's happened is that more KPI-based elements of contracts or governments um, working with third parties have just sort of put them in normal contracts rather than specifically design a whole massive program and get third parties and then investors into all of those. So really good question and hopefully that's gone some way to unravelling the difference between those. Yep, thanks Nick. So I guess back to me and then back to you. Um, in terms of green <laughs> bonds, I guess still anchoring the market and yeah. and what have you noticed over the last um, the last few weeks or last month or so? Any notable transactions there? I know the sovereign club keeps getting uh, bigger, but what's uh, what's going on on that traditional part? Yeah, exactly. As you've mentioned, green continues to anchor the market. And exactly as I've planned on walking you through um, our green bond market, I'll start with sovereign issuances. So Singapore actually issued its inaugural 50-year sovereign green bond of 2.4 billion Singaporean dollar last month. So the proceed from this issuance will be used to finance spending to support Singapore's Green Plan 2030. And then we have Mexico issuing its third series of SDG bond of $2.2 billion. The funding raised through this bond is going to fund budgetary programs that qualify as eligible expenditures under Mexico's SDG sovereign bond framework. And moving on, we have Saudi Arabia considering to issue more green bonds, which the proceed will be used to finance both green and social development projects in the region. And then we have Switzerland planning to issue its first green bonds from autumn of this year. This target issuance volume is several hundred million Swiss francs per year. And this 
Green Bond is intended to promote the application of um, international standards on the Swiss capital market, and it hopes to encourage more private sector players to issue their own Green Bond in the country. So moving on to India, we also hear some noises. The Securities and Exchange Board of India is proposing blue bond as a mode of sustainable finance. So they're actually currently exploring various blue economy-related activities for this funding, which include oceanic resource mining and also um, sustainable fishing. So Apart from sovereign, we also see a lot of issuances on the financial industry this month. So in the APAC region, Land Bank of Taiwan, um, Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, Agricultural Development Bank of China, and China's Bank of Communications have either raised green bond or sustainability bond this month. And in Europe, Berlin Hype and NRW Bank and the European Investment Bank have also issued green bonds this month. And also Norwegian lender Spare Bank One Nord Nord mandated two banks for a potential green bond issuance. And moving on to the Americas, well, Fargo's issued its second sustainability bond a year after it debuted in the market. And finally, from the financial institution side, Chile lender Banco de Chile is preparing to raise funds through both bonds and loans to support eligible green and social projects. So moving on to like a broader segment with different industries involved on the logistics side, we have SELP raising 750 million euros from a green bond. And on the utility side, Exaya Buri Power Company based in Thailand has their debut green bond in Thai Bat and Canadian energy firm Energrex raised $710 million from a green bond for its Chilean operations, which is believed to be the largest green bond issued through a private placement in Latin America. Also, American Electric Power and Natural Gas Company Duke Energy launches a commercial paper note with the use of proceeds allocating to socioeconomic advancement projects. So moving on to the next industry in the autos industry, SK On based in Korea has secured 2 billion US dollars through green ECA financing. So SK On plans to use these secured fundings to invest in EV battery manufacturing plant in Europe. Also in the autos industry, Nissan and Ford Auto also issued green bond financing EV related projects. Then we have Chinese firm Lenovo raising a US dollar bond from its debut green bond transaction. Los Angeles Airport Department has also raised money from green issuance. Some other interesting industry we are also seeing this month is um, Nickel Asia Corp based in the Philippines is planning to raise funding on a five-year green bond between November 2022 and the first quarter of 2023. So the proceeds of this issuance will be utilized for funding uh, Nickel Asia's subsidiary on renewable energy projects. Same on this month, we also see two semiconductor names in the market, one being Solar Applied Materials Technology based in Taiwan and US chip maker Intel on their green bond debut as part of a larger US$6 billion bond issuance. 
The last green bond that I would want to highlight this month is on Japan's first blue bond issuance, Maruha Nichiro, which is a Japanese seafood giant. So this blue bond focuses on marine and ocean-related projects and businesses. So these projects aim to enhance ocean's health through the prevention of water pollution and the sustainable use of、um, marine fishery resources. Just, just one quick summary. Although we see that the volume of issuances has slowed down this month, but we still see some very innovative and new transaction structures, such as blue bonds and raising capital through green ESA financing. So, Nick, after talking about bonds, is there any room for green loan borrowings this month? Yeah, sure, ab- absolutely, and I commend you for your excellent Japanese pronunciation again、uh, on there too,、uh, to Sabrina. You'll, you'll have to get all the parts in the podcast with the difficult words. But look, on the green loan side, probably more the traditional parts、uh, have been financed under that. So, Property Biomed Realty did a small, say not so small, over five hundred mil green loan, I believe, in in the US. We also saw、uh, Buxton Component Factory. Switching to some solar power, I think that was in the UK. So a little bit on that renewable side, again, property side, renewable side, pretty common.、Um, a little bit more on the retail, picking up on the retail sector-specific things we've seen and spoken about earlier in the podcast. Shoprite, I think that might be an online type of entity, looking at some green loans to support different activities. So we saw that one there, and the last one just to mention. There's probably a lot more, but sometimes these don't come out in the public domain. Hamilton Waste and Recycling、uh, in the UK, I believe, connected to recycling. Don't have too much information about that.、Um, Echo Efficient Products Production Technologies and Processes、um, also getting done under a green loan. So yeah, a little bit of room for green loan, but again, we never quite know how much is happening in the market, and it's much more difficult to aggregate that point. I guess in moving along, what about social bonds and loans, Sabrina? I guess what we've seen sort of over the last six or twelve months, much more social getting done as part of sustainability.、Yeah. Not so much directly by itself, but still certainly some instances. Anything jump out that you've seen on that side of things? Yeah, I would like to highlight a few social labeled loans and bonds. So I'll start off with an electricity firm called Idiner, based in Argentina. They have debuted their social bond with use of proceeds on、um, socio-economic advancement and empowerment, as well as access to essential services. And we also see Asian Development Bank raising a gender bond and a health bond, targeting at gender and health. Projects. We also see an international development organization based in Bangladesh called BRAC. They have secured a social loan with proceeds aiming to fund projects that aid employment generation, poverty alleviation, and also supporting SMEs. And in the U.S., we've seen West Virginia Housing Development raising 40 million U.S. dollars from a social bond, and also Massachusetts raises 2.7 billion U.S. dollars from a debut social bond with use of proceeds focusing on social economic advancement, empowerment, employment generation, including through the potential effect of SME financing and microfinancing. So that's about it on the social labeled financing this month. So any. Anything notable over the months on other label products? Yeah, a couple of things, Sabrina. Probably more of the same, to be honest. And you know, we've seen really the banks develop lots of different things over the last couple of years. Linked programs, I guess, are more a newer, but EV loan programs, SME type programs, 
and different types of things. And and one thing we did note picks up a little bit on something you were talking about before, Sabrina, or asked the question on in terms of linked loan programs. We've seen some more linked deposit deposit programs. So Citibank have come up. We don't have too much detail in addition to what well, no further detail apart from what's in the public domain, but some announcements from Citigroup. Sustainability linked deposit solutions for corporate customers, presumably if a customer has achieved more of a target, then their deposit might go up in terms of, of rates. So I think we'll probably see a little bit more of that. Uh, Carlisle Global um, Credit also had a, a linked financing arrangement. And again, possibly across their different types of investees, so evidencing linked programs and also the PE ongoing involvement in sustainable finance. A little bit on the trade side, trade being an agent of change. We know that some regulations say in the EU are a lot stricter than Asia. Asian companies that export to the EU will start to get captured, I guess, in elements of some of the new regulations um, coming out. So I think trade, we continue to speak to lots of banks out. How do you integrate KPIs into trade financing, ESG risk ratings into trade financing, labelling use of proceeds for elements of trade financing, all that's definitely going to grow. And really picking up on that, we also saw something in the public domain, definitely for Coca-Cola, looking at a sustainability-linked finance package for suppliers, I think connected to recycled PET or, or certain key elements in Europe. So these type of programs, linked programs, performance-based programs, trade and connected to these whole cycles of procurement, I think we're going to see a lot more. We also saw um, ComBank come out with a little bit more on an agri-green loan program. So again, as I mentioned before, an agri, we really, really want to see agri more because we all need to eat and plenty of challenges in that sector. I haven't got anything on transition this month specifically, apart from some of the themes that we've picked up a little bit earlier in the podcast. And then um, Sabrina, just to finish off a couple of points on regulations or you know geographic type developments i mentioned before to malaysia expanding it's i think sociable responsible investment bond grant scheme or sukuk grant scheme so that's interesting what's happening up there malaysia looking at a variety of things and becoming more active a lot of articles on australia esg roundups and the regulator looking at greenwashing and all sorts of elements taxonomies getting developed in australia so becoming a very, very active market, and we're certainly active in that market as well. The EU, not a week or a month goes by without some other development in terms of usefulness of the taxonomy, when the green bond standard's coming out, what is in the taxonomy, what isn't, what parts. So that's ongoing. If I had a crystal ball and knew exactly how all of that was going to fall, I'd certainly share that here, but unfortunately I don't. China, Green bond volume is growing a lot. And again, with that development I mentioned on coming up with, with their version, pretty much based on ICMA of green bond standards is great to see. And Thailand, a very important market. And ASEAN that we're continuing to do a power of work in sustainalytics. Central Bank looking at their version of taxonomies and things as well. Blue bonds, a couple of articles in Indonesia. So blue bonds have come up a few times, even for sovereigns and other things of today and as we know they're, they're really use of proceeds based bonds pretty much green but just focused on maritime activities sweden talked a little bit about esg bonds being more resilient in current market conditions so hopefully the nordics have been a pretty big supporter of these markets continue to remain active those are the interesting things that i noted before i hand over to you to, to close out sabrina just a, a quick shout out to uh, to melissa chase who's our marketing guru and editor for our podcast i think 
We're up well over 30 episodes now and do appreciate her tireless editing on my poor pronunciations and Australianisms when they pop into the podcast. So Melissa, a, a shout out and a big thanks to you for your ongoing help on our podcast. So maybe over to you to round things off, Sabrina. Thanks, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send us any questions or feedbacks our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time, 